Hello, everybody, and welcome to Indie Cult, the podcast where we discuss the struggles and learning experiences of independent artists and creative minds. I am George, and today I am joined by... Evan. John Salt. Yo, man, if you want to talk about struggling artists, like, I was... So I got up early yesterday, and I started... Um, well, first of all, I got one of Evan's new scripts. So I was about to start reading that, but I was like, you know what? It's been, like, a week since I touched uh, the script for the next project, Flannel Mouth. So I picked that up. I read it for about an hour. I read um, one of Evan's other scripts that he sent me, seeing if I can, like, you know, tap into a character. But lo and behold, I didn't read Evan's new script. I got up, and... I did a lot of home improvement stuff, and then right at the end of the night, my water boiler just crapped out. It was 40 gallons of water all over my basement. Mm. It was, yeah, and the guy came today, he brought it, he said he could try installing it, and he didn't have a part. It's just, you know what, man, the fact that you even came, considering everything that's going on, like, I appreciate it. Uh, I just imagined the scene in Jumanji. What, when the when the, when the house flooded and those crocodiles <laughs> swimming all over the place, I, you, you think of Jumanji. I thought of uh, Mother. <laughs> oh yeah, M- Mother as well. Get a little bit more a uh, little bit more modern. I was actually thinking about that movie the other day because um, mm-hmm. uh, the, actually the three of us was, we're we're doing this you know one of those BS Instagram challenges. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and and the one we're doing is a thirty day like movie challenge Mm. and i was looking at the list and and for one of them i thought oh mother might be a good one uh to to put on interesting darren aronofsky's mother i uh look forward to seeing if it comes up or not yeah i I thought it was a great film you know it i thought so as well Mm -hmm. and the thing is though it's it's one of those movies that it's not for everybody. And I, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. like every movie is not for everybody, obviously, but yeah. it's really not for everybody. I, I can, I think like for, for like your average mainstream yeah. audience, it's not, it's not a mainstream movie by any stretch of the imagination. I think we can say that about all of Aronofsky's films, though. He's got a couple of mainstream ones like, uh, like Noah. Yep, that's, that's one I haven't seen. But but yeah, I, I think that that is true for uh, for, for generally. Actually, the wrestler I think is pretty pr- pretty good for a mainstream palette, and it's actually my favorite movie from him. It's probably his uh, his most mainstream film. Yeah, besides Noah. Besides Noah, which I haven't watched. I mean, I I, I for some reason I, I feel like he didn't even make it. I I think it didn't get such great feedback. I don't think so. I think it was a lukewarm response. Yeah. I, I, if I remember correctly, um, when it first came out, I remember it was a tepid, tepid, yeah, tepid. The, the waters were the waters were uh, tepid, yeah. and lukewarm uh, <laughs> during the Great Flood. <laughs> I, I think one of his, uh, it might be his first, right? Uh, Pie. I mean, I remember uh, him coming Pie out. Pie was that. his first, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, he was big from from that moment. You mean by your by your standards? Uh, uh, I th- I think by a lot of people's standards, uh, he kind of came out of nowhere and uh, made a pretty big splash with with Pi, which was more of an independent film, right? I think it was an independent film. 
Yeah, it was. It was it was low budget, independent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, one of the reasons he probably uh, chose to shoot it in black and white, although maybe there was a stylistic purpose for it as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. Maybe a little bit of both. Yeah. Um. You know, I remember. Uh. You know, Kevin Smith's Clerks mm-hmm. is in black and white, right? Yeah. And and the real reason for that is because. Um, it was, it was cheaper to do it that way because Mm -hmm. they were shooting at night and, um, Mm. they they were shooting at night in the convenience store. Yeah. Um, so they had to like, you know, they didn't have to bother with like lighting and things like that. So it was cheaper. But I remember reading in an interview that, uh, that people, uh, I guess critics were saying, oh, like it's so creative to do it in black and white Hmm. because it gives you this. Uh, aesthetic that you're watching through the surveillance cameras of the convenience store <laughs> <laughs> you know and it's one of those things where you're you just like run with it you're like yeah yeah exactly exactly yeah, yeah, they get it <laughs> um i think we mentioned that in the past i think in a previous episode we've mentioned that it, it, it's great yeah when uh you can pa- you can pass anything off as a stylistic choice if you really want to it's part of the uh, the art direction um, ultimately, right? I think we've said too that that once the movie's made, it's it's out of your hands as to what it means, and then you know everyone's interpretation, what they take from it. Hundred percent. Yeah, that's part of the beauty of it. I think, right? Like it's uh, after you make it, it's not it's not up to you anymore what it means and and what it's about. You do your best, I guess, to. Mm-hmm communicate what you want to communicate but ultimately what each individual person takes from it is is no less valid than what your intention was and that's the beauty i think of 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 art in general yeah is it can be so personal yeah yeah and nobody can tell you no that 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 interpretation is not right it's not it's not right or wrong there is no right or wrong as unique individuals we we connect to it and personalize it in unique ways yeah yeah i I agree 100 percent. yeah Exactly. Um, And I don't think I don't think it it is the place of the the artist, the creator, the filmmaker, the whatever you want to call him or her. I don't think it's it's that person's place to to tell you, oh, this is what I meant. You shouldn't you shouldn't you shouldn't tell people what what you meant because what you meant doesn't matter anymore. Uh, Ultimately, yes. Uh, The way people uh, connect to it is is the most important part. you have to tell someone what what it means then it it kind of loses something the person loses a chance to connect to it in in another way yeah i it's funny like uh i remember (laughs) i had some family members uh asking me like what like the meaning behind the ending of seeker Mm -hmm. our first short film yeah not not that not that seeker was like deep or 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 anything like that but (laughs) But but they were like you know there there's this ambiguity at, with the ending yes and I had I had family members uh, asking me so like what happened at the end and you know I'm trying to be uh, you know uh, a true uh, a true artist and and say <laughs> uh, well what do you think it meant you know like I didn't want to answer them yeah and they were like I don't know just tell me and it's like well you know maybe this or maybe that you know it's kind of up to your interpretation and 
And, and the response I got was, didn't you write this? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, so you know what happened. Can't you just tell me? That is, it's probably the biggest question we received about Seeker. What happened? Well, what happened? Everyone wanted to know they didn't want to uh, uh, create their own ending out of it. They wanted to know what, what, what the writers think happened. Yeah. And I think um, a similar question is going to be approaching uh, with, with the next short film we've got slated. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, For at the, Flannel Mouth? I, at the end, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, I think uh, it sets up for that. We, we, I, I really like ambiguous endings. I like that that you can make your own ending up and and you can have conversations with people about what the what the ending was and what the ending meant. Like Inception, right? Is yeah. was it a dream? Was it not a dream? Or American Psycho. Did he really kill those people? Or did he not really kill those people? You know? I, I really like I really like movies that allow for that conversation and that debate. And I think that really gives some films lasting power, staying power, because they're such a conversation piece. They are thought-provoking. Uh, if you give all the answers, then you're kind of telling a person, well, this is my stance on it. But uh, to create a different piece of art that, that opens up, like you said, dialogue, conversation, communication, and thought um, provides something so much more, so something different, right? Uh, you're letting people um, continue your story after it's already finished. Yeah. Yeah, and and the fact that like a, a movie like that will stay with you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not the type of movie that that you'll just you'll just forget about. Mm -hmm. And like, uh, and going back to what I was saying before, what we were saying before about how the the the, the artist shouldn't tell the audience what they meant. I mean, can you imagine, like, how much of a buzzkill would it be if Christopher Nolan came out and said, oh, no, the ending of Inception, no, it wasn't a dream. No, that was real. He was really he was really with his kids at the end. Spoiler alert. Uh, no, it wasn't a dream. He, he was really with his kids at the end. Or or, or if uh, 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 Mary Harron came out and said, uh, no, no, he, he didn't kill any of those people in Psycho. It was all in his head. That's why he's a psycho. Yeah. It's like, I mean, once you hear that, you're like, well, all right. I mean, I guess for some people that might be satisfying because you get an answer. But mm -hmm. for me, it's a little disappointing. It's like, but but I liked talking about it. I liked thinking about it. I liked going back and watching the movie again and looking for clues and trying to figure out if there's enough there to support my stance on the ambiguous ending. Yeah. When you give it away, there, there's it's no longer thought provoking. It's no you no longer have to think about it. It's out of your mind. Uh, where some of those endings, yeah, they allow you to keep dreaming about it. Um, oh, dreaming, Inception, wow. Oh, dream within a dream. The Nolans are, though, yeah. they seem to love playing with time, and they do it in some interesting ways. Oh, they love playing with time. Even their next film, Tenant, which, yeah. is, which is slated to come out uh, sometime this year. We'll see what happens with that. <laughs> we shall see. But yeah, they all, it's always with time, right? Memento, mm -hmm. uh, Inception, Tenant. Well, what else? Uh, Interstellar. Interstellar, duh, of course. Yeah. Interstellar. I loved Interstellar. But uh, really excited to be on the show today and uh, hear from you guys and you know, tell everyone where we're at. 
Uh, but yeah, been it's very been a interesting quarantine. Since we, yes, since we've been together. It's, yes, it it's uh, one month exactly. The last time we met and and had a threesome. <laughs> I'm still worn out. I'm still yeah. worn out. I mean, they say. They say if you're with two people, it's a twosome. And then when it's three people, it's a threesome. So no wonder why they call me handsome. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's the last shitty poor joke that I'm going to say for the rest of the night, I promise. Other than my rap career, of course, right now. (laughs) (laughs) That was dedicated to Papa Pri out there, if he's ever going to hear this. I doubt so? it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, no. in the words of him, he says that he encourages anything that I do that will put me a stop for making music. So I guess he has you to thank for this, George, you know, and uh, I guess, Evan, you've been wasting your time for about 15 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what does he dislike so much about your music? Uh, you know what it is, man? I like to say that I I like to personify him as Exxon or like BP, like he's like the fuel, you know, like you need individuals like that around you, you know, uh, it's it's kind of energizing and invigorating because if and when we ever win some kind of award, he's he's going to end up in it. It's going to be in there. It's going to be a really long uh, uh, usage of Hmm. profanity followed by his name. And then I love you, mom. And thank you, Jesus. To all you assholes who told me I'd never make it. Exactly. Uh, And that's why... But until then, until then, those assholes are right. I mean, yeah, they're right. But, you know, also those assholes, their only hobby is kind of just making fun of other people for doing things. So for me, it's just, like I said, it's it's something I always will love doing. I'm going to love performing till... Very bitter end. I'm gonna try to cast for movies even in my late sixties. You know, hopefully Evan's still writing them and George is still cranking out, you know, stuff so you know I can, you know, be a part of it. I got something to tell you that might be reassuring. Talk Pri to me. is not supportive of your acting career either. Oh yeah, that's very true. But I think that stems more because he didn't get casted for pokers. Like he auditioned and and you know what? He can Swear up and down the cross that he didn't try, but he tried. I know he tried. He broke a sweat while he was reading those lines. <laughs> so I know it was <laughs> some. There was more than a lackadaisical effort involved in in the reading of that particular script and that audition. So, uh, at the end of the day, like I said, I I not to not to say that I don't like hearing it because to me it's interesting to flip it on somebody. You know, as you can tell from like seeing uh, some of the other, you know, conversations that we've had via, you know, uh, group chat, you know, he does like to poke a lot of fun at certain things. But for me, it's it's just lovely when I get to flip the script on him, pun intended. Um, well, speaking of uh, of films like um, we, we've made some good use of, of, of quarantine, haven't we? We have. Uh if there's anything you can do when you're in a quarantine, it's it's right. Go on. And 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 write and write and uh, before <laughs> before you know it, you know we end up with with uh, uh, a couple of features and uh, and a few shorts in your you know in your virtual folders. 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, one of the biggest disappointments of quarantine, of, you know, coronavirus, um, besides the deaths, of course. Yeah. But for us, like, personally, um, was that we had to push back uh, a, a film shoot, a short film that we were supposed to shoot. Yeah. But in return, we kind of buckled down and finally started working on scripts for features, which we hadn't done up until this point. You know, we've been making films for a few years now, but it's always been shorts because we're using the shorts as a way to, to learn and hone our skills and improve so that we can get to a point where we can make a feature one day. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that time is approaching. And instead of... Um, Instead of, I guess, <laughs> moping and wallowing in hmm. self-pity, we decided to channel that onto the page. Yeah. If if there's any time to do it, it's now. And I think that uh, just the situation is creating so many different emotions for us that we'd be missing an opportunity to try to harness what's going on and, and to put it on some paper. Yeah. And even though the 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 feature scripts we're working on don't really have anything to do with quarantine mm -hmm. or anything like that necessarily. Yeah. Um, it's crazy that, I, like, I am very disappointed that we didn't shoot the short film. Yeah. But at the same time, if we had, we would be, we would not have written those scripts the or, you know, started working on those scripts. We don't really have a, a final draft of anything yet. We got, we got a, we got a couple of, uh, first draft or you know first or second drafts that were were that are in a good spot but we mm -hmm. don't have a final draft we wouldn't even have a half a first draft yeah if we sh we had shot that short film i i'd say one of them is is really close as well as close as you can be until you're actually you know filming the thing things always change along the way but yeah as as unfortunate uh, and upsetting as it was uh, for us to to have to postpone the shoot uh, we've made good use of the time between writing and between um, even upgrading our kit and the, the things that we need to to accomplish, you know, or to create divisions. We've we've not let it um, hold us back. Uh, we've we've used the time to keep moving forward. Yeah, and 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 to speak to upgrading our kit, we we got some new um, equipment that we will use uh, for the short film that got postponed. That so. In a way, who knows? Like this might turn out to be good for us because maybe that short film will benefit. It'll become better. Yeah, as opposed to waiting or being disappointed, which which we are okay, and that's fair. As opposed to just wallowing it, as as you mentioned, we we use the time to continue to improve so that when we do pick up the shoot, uh, ideally we we have a better result because of that. I'm telling you, well. Yeah, we, we, you find the silver lining, you take advantage of, of what you have, you know, like, yeah, like I was really upset um, <laughs> when, when, we, when I had to like yeah. send a mass message out to everybody saying it is officially postponed. Um, and I, I honestly probably took too long to do that just because we didn't want to believe it. Mm -hmm. um, it, it. We were, it was like a delusional borderline, <laughs> right? We were just kind of like, no, I think, I think maybe it'll be okay. Here we are, though, uh, middle of May, yeah, <laughs> and still not, still not leaving the house. Still quarantined. But yeah, 
but it's it's important to 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 try to take advantage as best you can, and that's something that we've reiterated um, on on multiple episodes on the podcast. Um, that it's important to to take advantage of of this this time and then try to do something with it. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah, very true. Um, I mean, yes, I have been knocking a lot off my Netflix watch list as well. <laughs> so some exi- anxiety is being alleviated as I see the number of titles <laughs> dwindle. You got a pretty long watch list on there, huh? I got a long watch list in general, man. Like the, I mean, th- there's no shortage of of movies, and like, I mean, I've seen a lot of movies, but yeah. it's not even a drop in the bucket compared to the amount of movies out there. Have you uh, have you seen uh, my watch list on the my Letterboxd account? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's huge. It's, uh, I do see though when you add things to your watch list, I see that on my my front page on Letterboxd. Yeah, I I broke five hundred uh, the other day, and uh, also uh, just in case anybody listening doesn't know, Letterboxd is a uh, movie uh, review uh, app where you can uh, rate movies that you've seen, write reviews of them if you want to, and um, just add things to your watch list so you can keep track of what you want to see. That's kind of what. We, Evan and I, I use that and I also use IMDb as well. I use both of them mm-hmm. to keep track of the movies I want to see and my ratings of them. Um, also Letterboxd, we we also will take money to advertise um, if you want ad space. Or, <laughs> yeah, well, we'll take money. Spinningrealfilms.gmail.com. <laughs> yeah, spinningrealfilms.gmail.com. That's <laughs> R-E-A-L, Letterboxd, or Amazon if you want to email us because IMDb is owned by Amazon. <laughs> Um, oh, really? we'll, we'll gladly, uh, I'll, I'll sell out. I'll sell out. I'll pimp. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, it's not selling out. If you actually like the service, it's not selling out, right? That's true. And, and there are things I enjoy about Letterboxd. It helps me keep organized. And, um, to be honest, I, it, there are films that I watch and sometimes I don't, I don't really remember them un- until I read some more about them and check my review and then, uh, upon reflection, only can I remember some of those films. Uh, I, I'm sure there are plenty of uh, forgettable films that we all watch. Oh, absolutely. I mean, for me, if I um, if I watch a movie and I don't really remember much about it, mm-hmm. like soon after, which does happen. Like sometimes I'll watch a movie and then a week later I'm like, I don't even know what happens in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's just, that's not because it was necessarily bad, but it it wasn't. It was just very mediocre. And, and for yeah. me, my my personal belief is, um, not and of course not that I'm some sort of expert and I know what I'm talking about. But my personal belief is that, yeah, I'd rather a movie be really bad <laughs> than just average, because at least if it's bad, it made some sort of impression on me. You know, like yeah. if I walk out of a movie or or uh, whatever, if I if I uh, turn off my TV after watching a movie and I go, man, that movie fucking stunk. That is more of a that's more that's a response that that, that that's an emotion, right? Mm-hmm. But to just turn it off and be like, eh. yeah, that that's that's nothing. That's that's you for you forgot about it already. I don't know. Like I, I'd rather watch a movie that was really spectacularly terrible. <laughs> 
because at least at least it, it made an impact on me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can recall leaving the theater a few times feeling that way. Man, that sucked. I'm more upset in the theater because, like, I spent a lot of time and money. Yeah. Especially movies, man. They're so expensive now. It, it used to be the, the average man's way to, to get away. Uh, now, I mean, a ticket and, and if you want popcorn and, and water, you, you've, uh, you've, uh, you're starting to break the bank. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And if you take a date, double that. It's mm -hmm. like it's like it's like eighty dollars to go see one movie. <laughs> 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 no, but 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 um, that that that's actually really true. What you said. That's that's how movies were marketed, or that's what their intention was at first. It was like the blue collar working man's entertainment, right? The yeah. The the rich went and saw theater mm -hmm. or theater, yeah. and the 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 poor man the working man went to the pictures that's that that was like how it is and i mean i guess it's still like that i guess theater tickets are still more expensive than movie tickets mm -hmm. like broadway or something like that but yes. but yeah it's just gotten to be really expensive and and honestly if you ask me mm -hmm. you're not getting much at the movie theater anymore like the, the the movie theater experience is not really better than the home experience anymore. At least not enough to warrant the time and money to go to the theater. You know, I would disagree that if if the presentation was nice, if the presentation of the film is nice and the projection is 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 good, uh, and they have a good sound system, there is nothing like watching a, a film on an eighty foot screen. I mean that's the way they're intended to see to, to be seen the, the movements uh the the image nothing will impact you like that uh unless you know you're building I mean I I have a 10 foot screen in my house and that's pretty big and it's amazing to watch on but to go to a theater and and see a, a movie blown up 80 feet 100 feet I mean that's it's an incredible experience for me at any time I, I don't fully agree. I, I, I partially agree. Like like I said, it is better. I just don't think it's that much better that it warrants the, the high price ticket that you pay now. I mean, I, I still go to the movies and I do like going to the movies. But mm -hmm. um, first of all, and I'm talking about your average movie experience, right? I'm not talking about like special screenings and things like that. I'm talking mm -hmm. about just going to your local theater to just watch the latest whatever movie. Um, you know, you're at the end of the day, like you're watching like a digital projection of a movie, right? Mm -hmm. Which you can get at home, right? If you're just watching it mm -hmm. like on your TV. Whether you're standing, you know, 200 feet from the screen or five feet from the screen at home, like the, okay, like, I, I don't know if the, that big screen experience is really, really that, that much of, of an upgrade. You know what I mean? Like a, 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 a big screen 200 feet away looks about the same as a smaller screen, you know, 10 feet away is, you know, what I'm trying to say. Um mm. I feel and like wherever I stand in the theater, though, the screen always feels bigger than me. And no matter where I stand in my room, I always feel bigger than my screen. 
Um, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I just don't think it's that much of an upgrade anymore. Like, but back when back when movies were projected from film, like you actually got something special, right? That's not something you would get at home. Mm-hmm. But now, with everything being digital, what I mean, it, does it? It just doesn't make that much of a difference to me anymore. I also think the presentation. I mean, th- there are so many theaters now, and I guess because um, they're, they're a little bit more relaxed with their own presentation. Um, I personally, I mean, I f- seem to find more movies of the past that I've enjoyed than than more recent years, and maybe that's just because it's harder to find them. There's so many made, so many more made now. Um, but you know, Alamo has has nights where it's just you know ten dollars a ticket, you know, on, on Tuesdays and stuff, and that seems to be more affordable. Uh, and other times, was it's probably about double now for a ticket, right? Yeah, but again, th- that's what I'm saying. Though. I'm talking about the average movie experience, not again. Mm-hmm. That's like going to Alamo for like their weird Wednesdays or whatever. That's like a special experience, or like when we went to see. Um, we went to see 2001, a space odyssey on 70 millimeter, mm-hmm. um, in this like amazing hall in, in, in New York. Yep. Like that was a phenomenal experience. That's well worth it. I would have oh, paid a yeah. hundred dollars for that experience, <laughs> but that is not your average movie experience. That is that I, we went special for that. Yes. And, and we could say, right. I mean, having watched it in 70 c- can never compare to watching it on, on my 10 foot screen at home. Yeah. Like and that, that you know that maybe not maybe not 70 cuz uh, maybe but like going to a movie theater for a 35 uh, millimeter film mm-hmm. like that was just your average night at the movies now it's like you got to look for that yeah there's um th- th- there's some differences in, in i think presentation and the reason to go to a theater um 15 20 years ago when we were growing up uh we don't have the same kind of uh, we didn't have the same kind of access to to the content that we have now and it's it's changed the game you wanted to watch a movie some of your favorite movies or the newest movie you're going to the theater you're going to wait a long time for it to come out yeah and 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 before before home media um and before home media if you missed it at the theater you didn't see it <laughs> uh, yeah yeah, you ha- you had to wait for the next screening, whenever that may be. Yeah, exactly. Or, or you you know you illegally traded in the collecting of sixteen and thirty five millimeter films. Nobody, we're not uh, illegally. No, no, no. <laughs> 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 um, and and I think this is. I also think though. Okay, but you agree at least that the movie theater experience is not as good as it used to be, right? I, I will agree that most movie theaters are not uh, what they used to be. They're not like private owned. They're like some big chain now and it, it feels cold. There's not this presentation to it. And um, I, what I'm afraid of now is, you know, I, I'm going to be devastated by all the theaters that we are going to lose. And I hope that we are able to keep some of those more private uh, warm theaters versus some of the colder chains that are around. 
I, I hope so too. You know, you mentioned before Alamo Draft House is I, one of our favorite theaters to go to. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons, like, I like it a lot um, is one, the no talking policy. I yeah. really hate when I'm stuck in a theater with an obnoxious audience. Yeah. Um, and another is because they do do frequent screenings, um, from film and, and that's something Mm -hmm. like special and, and, and exciting. And that's why I like going to their theater. Yeah. But, and I think the, the fact that, that movie theaters are not giving you that luxury experience anymore, luxury, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) not luxury, but you know, they're, they're not, they're not giving you. Uh, a, a substantial upgrade from the home mo- home viewing experience. Mm-hmm. I think it's partially impacting what movies are successful and what movies aren't. I think that's one of the reasons why these big blockbuster like Marvel and Star Wars and DC and all that stuff. I think these movies are are part of the reason why these movies are the ones that you only seem to hear about anymore. It's because People are not going to the movies because they're like, oh, let's go to the movies. It's because, oh my God, the new Avengers is out. I mm-hmm. can't wait until it comes out at home to see it. I got to see it immediately. Well, so they're only going because mm-hmm. they're excited about the movie itself. They're not going because they think that the movie theater experience is substantially better than their home experience. You know, this is not the first time movie theaters have faced a similar problem. The, the last time that, that ticket sales were going down and they're having issues with getting people in the door, that, that's when they uh, developed this widescreen. That's when they developed like even CinemaScope, right? And, and the anamorphic uh, uh, wide angle picture that we have today. And what you're saying is that they're not offering anything more. I would wonder, you know, what more is it that they could offer us that, that would bring us to the theater now? What is it that we can't get at home that, that we could get through that theater experience other than, right, an amazing sound system and a huge screen? Well, I think I think going back to, to film would, would give people something different. I, I mean, you know my opinion on that. I, if, if it's running on film, it's, it's got a much higher chance of me being in that seat. Exactly. And I think, like, your average person might not necessarily – pay attention and like yep. know like the difference necessarily mm-hmm. right For and sure. and i but i think i think even if they don't notice it, it they see it you know they they yeah. see that watching a movie on that was that was shot on film being projected from film on a big screen projector they're seeing that that's something better than what they're getting at home maybe they don't know why but they know mm-hmm. it's there there, there is a difference, and they may not be able to describe it. They don't have the words for it. So something does stand out. Um, I'm happy to say that I started staining those, um, the mm-hmm. some uh, fabrics with yep. uh, Earl Grey tea, and that's when my water boiler busted. <laughs> oh, so did you let it sit in the busted water? You know. Uh, one of them. I yeah, did. you should have thrown uh, a bunch of tea bags into the into the water drain. <laughs> yeah, from the... I started and and like I said, my girlfriend was like, "Oh, uh, we don't have any hot water in the house." I'm like, "That's funny because out of the faucet, I'm turning the hot knob and cold water's coming out." And hmm. lo and behold, uh, I was going through like it kind of was like very reminiscent of probably being on a gondola in Venice. That's the, like the closest <laughs> thing that I can compare it to because, you know, it's happened to me once like 10 years ago. And, you know, honestly, like I kind of saw it coming, but I thought that 
you know, in recent memory, I had taken care of this home improvement issue, but mm -hmm. it, it just seems like when I'm trying to be productive, just little speed bumps come along the way to try mm -hmm. to, you know, rain on the parade, but I'm, I'm going to get it done. It's going to get done this week. You know, I'm trying to basically, if anyone wants some backstory, so I was put in charge of um, ordering some fabrics uh, for one of the sets uh, in Flannel Mouth, particularly something that goes uh, over a couch, like a couch drape. So I purchased some fabrics, but they look a little too new. So I went online and I checked out like a bunch of cosplayers who make uh, a lot of videos on how they make their, you know, uniforms or their little cosplay things for like Comic-Con or whatever. And one of the girls actually was like, you know, you take a vat of hot water and you put uh, a, a few tea bags of like the one she recommended was uh, Earl Grey yeah, or English black tea is works well. Dark and ones, basically, yeah. yeah, yeah, you put it in um, hot water, tea bags, you let it steep. Uh, right before you're going to add the fabrics, she recommends adding uh, half a cup of salt, salt to the vat of, yeah. So basically, it really makes the the color cling to the, the fibers of the, the fabric. And you let it sit for a while. She recommended putting it in the oven, but <laughs> I don't trust myself with cooking tost, uh, Tostino's bagel, like pizza bagels, like in the oven. So <laughs> I'm not going to put like a full-blown, you know, fabric in or the comforter oven? inside. Because, so you set it to like a low temperature and it it dries up the fabric a certain way. But I figured I'm just going to wait for a nice hot day here and uh, drape them outside in the sunshine. And the other thing she recommended was you take the finished tea bags when they're done uh -huh. and you can kind of like smear them across the fabric as well huh. to kind of really give it that worn look. But she also recommended um, with a, a blowtorch, like burning yeah. the ends if you want to create like a burnt vintage look. Huh. But I think just having a nice worn look on the fabric will look nice. It'll look like something that, you know, was uh, maintained by the character in the in, in the short. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe something that was maybe even passed down and, you know, something that if it ain't broke, you don't fix it kind yeah. of a thing. So I'm not going to make it look too like beaten up and, you know, kind of like derelict. I want it to be like mm -hmm. a little bit kind of like believable. So that's that's something yeah. that I was practicing uh, in the last week. Use them. <laughs> well, why, why don't you, uh, you know, spread them out, put them on your couch, give them some actual use. Yeah, that's a good idea, too. I think that'll probably be something I would do as well. Like, honestly, like I'm very happy with the quality. It's definitely like a yeah. solid material. It's very durable, but it did look a little too new. I, I know that it's gonna like pop too yeah. much on the yeah. <clears throat> on the contrast on the camera, but you know, Drop. like again, these are some yeah. things that you guys, you know, you've given me a responsibility as a, somewhat of a producer on this project, and it's cool to pick up, you know, new ideas and new tricks, mm -hmm. you know, so you can yeah. have them in your toolbox and use them later on, you know. Feel free to like, you know, drop a pizza bagel on there or something. Oh man! <laughs> if uh, if someone invented pizza bagels back then, they'd be sitting on a lot of money. Let me tell you. But <laughs> nonetheless, you know, I I'm really just honestly like not to say that I'm excited to get back to work. I'm excited to like go back out into the world. But I really can't wait for us to get started on this project. I'm really looking forward to it. It's one of the things that kind of. Uh, you know, if you hit like a rut in terms of creativity, the fact that you can sit down and, and kind of like w on a whetstone, just grind along and really put those finishing touches on the preparation for a project. 
it does make you feel like you're still being productive in a state when, you know, it's kind of difficult to maintain a certain momentum, you know, in everyday life because everything's kind of on pause right now. So we were just, you know, it's just speaking, a good feeling. Yeah, we were just speaking about that uh, earlier. It's a nice continuation to the other conversation that uh, in the meantime, you know, we're disappointed and we've had to postpone the shoot. Although we're not, we're not just letting the time pass. We continue to work and refine our skills and and do what we can to improve, so that when we do make it to the shoot, we're 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 in an even better place. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure everyone that you guys have casted is also like putting in their time, putting in their you know their their effort into making sure that when the time does come and the slate drops for the very first take that everything is going to run very smoothly. That's that's really, I've learned what it boils down to, especially when it comes to your your team. Like whatever it is, if it's a production team or if it's just like a, a, a group of people that you have like continuous projects that you open up with, just that level of being able to pick up where you left off and cover all your bases is very, very vital. I think it's very important. Planning. I think there's... Planning has saved us. I can only imagine if we went in less planned than we have, it would be a disaster. I mean, we've we've spoken in uh, multiple uh, podcasts at this point. You know, like how how imperative it is that you realize it's literally all about having all your bases covered, so that you can basically have a kind of a, a template each time. And then, furthermore, I feel like that final product will have like a little sharper feel to it every time you kind of implement those ideas. Proper preparation. Yeah, I mean, even like something that 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 we've been doing since since Poker's the second short film is is doing test shots, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a big part of preparation that really I think if we hadn't done test shots on Poker's we would have fucked it up. It's the one good because, thing. Yeah. It's the one thing digital is good for. Yeah, but I wish you guys did yeah. those test shots when the weather was a little warmer. But, you know, it's done now. <laughs> it's dust under the rug, swept away, The, 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 te up, the test shots up. didn't matter. You could have worn a fucking woolly mammoth skin and you would have been fine for the test shots. We have a cool I kind of wish that you guys, like, as much as I really loved uh, the, the costume selection for that film and, like, I loved uh, using mm -hmm. Evan's uh, dragon tiger yellow <laughs> button down short sleeve. Yeah. It was very enlivening to wear it. Like I felt like I felt like He Man or like Call the Conqueror. Like I really wish you guys casted me to kind of look like Jon Snow from Game of Thrones. Like you know the the whole drape, the wolf skin. Oh, that would have been really, more gothic than I imagined. Yeah, but you know, thinking back, would have saved me a lot of uh, <laughs> cold, cold shoots. And again, I tried to be method, and I tried to like stay in the mindset. I'm like, I'm not going to wear a jacket. I'm going to stay in this character. I was like, man, it's, it's really cold while they're rigging up that light yeah. right now. <laughs> if I recall correctly, I, I thought I recommended you wear something longer, but you seem pretty adamant about wearing it. Yeah. I'm very stubborn. I mean, that that's, I mean, you insisted. Yeah. Forget about the type of person I am. I'm very stubborn, but to throw in like the craft or something that I really want to, really put in the time and effort to like really make it stand out. I'm not going to, I'm not going to half-ass it, especially on film. <laughs> that shit it, costs money. I think it came out well. I, I really love the way the, the picture just, uh, uh, you know, the colors just really shine off of it. 
on everyone's apparel, I think, you know, even even uh, John's character, you know, he had a denim jacket with the white mm-hmm. collar and like it was kind of like a trim outline with everything because of that black void that was going on behind them. And initially I was like, is is that going to like affect like the texture or anything like that? But it actually like watching the film, I could really like see the fabric that, you know, like it was like contrasting off. And I think all the costume selection was great on that. Some of us lucked out. They got to wear a long sleeve or, you know, yeah. like you got, you wore the suit and you got I away with wearing like a thermal on. Yeah. And, uh, no, I guess I drew the, the short end of that. Uh, stick. I, I think we, we were very detail oriented and, and it, it was a lot of fun. And I feel that, that it really, it really shows up on film. Uh, each character really stands out in their own ways because of, uh, the detail we took to, to costume and, uh, and props. Yeah, yeah, the 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 drink choice I think is mm-hmm. one of my favorite details of that movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, well that's the thing when you write when you write something that's very dialogue driven that really um basically like shows the audience the type of person that they are through their mannerisms, their their dress, you know, like not dress, like the way they're dressed, their garb, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, the fact that, you know, you kind of also, like, accent it with a particular drink, which mm-hmm. is kind of, you know, like, that, not for nothing, like, you kind of get that in the bar scene, too. Like, wherever someone comes in with a certain mm-hmm. type of attire, not to say, like, it's judgmental or anything, but, you know, it's kind of like, for example, like, you, your character, like, you figure that he'd be drinking, like, the glass of wine. Like, me, I'd be drinking the laser colored fruity looking hmm. martini john's drinking uh john's character's drinking a beer and yep. scoof was drinking actual whiskey again i didn't <laughs> know we brought that up before but he he did drink the whole drink like i asked him to like it was my bright idea but that was scoof i think that's a very important detail that that little subtlety that really does like kind of like even bring kind of like uh a focus on the poker table as well. Kind of like a bridge between what's happening on the table and what's going on with like the actors and how they're kind of interacting. I really loved how, uh, how we used the take of you, uh, downing that shot, uh, in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. had to be used. Like the world. Had Actually, to know. um, I really regretted. Okay. So context, <laughs> right? the, the, the movie we're talking about is Pokers, our second short film, which is about three, uh, sorry, four people sitting at a poker table. And when we talked about the drinks, what we meant was each character had a very distinct personality and the drink that they were drinking was a representation of that personality. So I, uh, I played a character in that. And at the end of the movie, uh, my character has this monologue and, um, John Soul had the bread idea. It's actually like an I assertive should... rant, I want to call it. It's an assertive rant. Like you kind of like put it all on the table, literally. <laughs> yeah. So John Soul had the bright idea <laughs> that I should chug the drink that I had. It was an idea because um, right I thought it was before I go into the rant. So yes. Uh, <laughs> apparently my my drink was the only one that had real alcohol in it. Everybody else was drinking like iced tea. Or Gatorade, I you had know, wine. Something that you had, you had wine. You did, yeah, um, yeah. You're right. You had wine, um, but, Adam, but anyway, if you chug that glass of wine and say your thing, you will be totally fine after. 
chugging a half a rocks glass of yeah. It was cold whiskey because it was cold there at the, it was, at the it was setting. A it was a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. Well, it, it wasn't that it was just that it was a lot. It was like, it was rough to swallow. <laughs> and I'm not, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, it's not like I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a heavy drinker or anything like that. So, so John's like, why don't you try like chugging it? That might be like good. And I'm like, oh, I thought it'd be better. Like, it'd be like a proclamation, like, meh. Like, you know, like, yeah. definitive. Because, <laughs> like, you can see that my character is, like, getting ready to make this speech. So it's like, just, you know, chug it and be like, fuck it. All right. You want me to fucking lay this out on the table? <laughs> so I take the shot and then I try to go through my lines. So I take the <laughs> shot and I just go, no, that was a mistake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and everyone started laughing. <laughs> My I'm, biggest I'm be regret, honest, I think, I think like only a thimble full of whiskey didn't go down. But like for the most part, you took that mother down, like no problem. <laughs> yeah. So my biggest regret was that I didn't finish the take because it oh, yeah. would have been great if I was able to keep that in, even though like I, I like because the, the movie is comedic, it's a drama comedy, so it wouldn't be bad. To have a scene where I ch- I choke on my drink, <laughs> but then I continue to go through with the with the with the monologue. Exactly. And I yeah. regret so bad that I didn't fucking keep going. But I also think by that, that point, I think everyone else cracked. Like there was a couple of like stagehands, like you know, people all around, like setting up and grips, and they also found it funny. So like, unless everyone was also kind of able to like like you know gather themselves and compose themselves so that that we can give you that breathing space to do it i I think you would have nailed it i really do think you would have nailed it that i would have fucking done it again man but in that (laughs) moment like i didn't think about that i was like oh i fucked it up all right take two and then we did it and then i was like okay great and then like in the editing room i think i even told evan i was like fuck man like we should have fucking we should have been able to put this in i should have fucking went through with it honestly but after that bro you were like you were good like you were feeling good after that you had a little bit of liquid courage and you really like just fell into the character after that so what whatever shameless plug we can get for whatever whiskey we were drinking i think we should (laughs) do it like right now (laughs) we uh we had some good laughs on that shoot i think we have good laughs on every shoot I, I, there was actually like you know more yeah. than a handful of people helping with that. We had we had a makeup artist. We had uh, Jessica helping with cinematography. Jessica Storm. Mm-hmm. We had uh, John Paul Amano. We had uh, George Young came by, who was also in the Crumbling. He came and he helped out, you know, rigging stuff up, so putting stuff away. Uh, Costa was there, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, and the best, the best script supervisor the world has Amazing. ever known. <laughs> And uh, big props to him. And uh, we also had uh, Nick Tilayani, who's uh, Evan and I have actually been, we've recorded music ever since like our teenage years. And he did us the solid of being there for um, Wait, for audio. Is that for Sick one Nick? Day. That's Sick Nick? That's Sick Nick. Yeah. Oh, that is Sick Nick. Okay, yeah. sweet. That's Sick Nick. Which, you, got, you got to hear him on wax. And yeah, we're going we're gonna to drop that album, I think. I think Evan was thinking about putting it on Spotify, so... Look out! The world's gone mad. Getting posted, yeah. He's. Uh, I've been dropping it. Yeah, he dropped. Uh, he dropped on the last. Uh, last one, right? Yeah, the one where where we talked about the world's gone mad for the first time. I, I put yeah. the 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 signature song. Right, right after the world's gone mad. Um, yeah. 
And who else was was Dick Jones there too at the time, or he didn't make it to that shoot? No, he was he was supposed to come, but he didn't make it. Um, Jerry Anastas yeah. of America was there. Yes, of course. Yeah. So we had we actually had like a decent amount of you know uh, at, I don't even want to say like you know specialists. You know some mm-hmm. some definitely you know brought their expertise on board, but just also having the extra set of eyes, you know, they're kind of like just kind of added a little more energy to the the performances, I think, and. Really, like I said, you know, not to keep putting that out there, but we really like laid it out on the table and it was just cool. Like it was our second project, like more people started like getting their fingers dipped in it, wetting their beaks. And, you know, it, it opened the doors for, for other roles, for other people to, to jump on and help out. Uh, you know, even though Dick Jones didn't show up for that particular shoot, he made it a point to be doing, uh, you know, some sound work for the crumbling as well as uh, the behind the scenes. And then also George Hanau, he was there, like, you know, giving, like, showing how to like, you know, what he would do with the lighting situation and helping us put stuff away and setting things up. He ended up being one of the characters also in The Crumpling as well. So he know, caught the just... bug, I think, from from being on the poker set. He, li- yeah. he liked, right? Yeah. It, it wasn't that what it was. Like he liked, he liked, he liked the process, and he wanted to try acting. Yeah, dude, it is infectious. It is infectious. Like you, you, it. Just, even even if you don't have any chemistry with with anyone that you know you're starting something new with like just like that buzz like especially like when you you're loading everything up and you're getting everything together and showing up like it's like game time feels like you know you're you're showing up to the playoffs and it's like you know you got to win or you you go home but you know for the most part thank god we've learned over time that we really are putting together a nice winning squad and we just hope everyone around us stays consistent we, we, we love people jumping in and expressing themselves uh, in our projects. It's the best feeling. Yeah. And one of my, one of my uh, other friends, uh, he's, he's kind of dipping his beak in, in a little bit. Um, and hopefully we, we can work on something that he's got cooking uh, um, sometime this year, maybe. Again, even Hollywood's on pause. So you can imagine us uh, indie, indie artists. <laughs> Well, I I would imagine the indie artists will come back quicker than the Hollywood people. Oh yes. yeah, absolutely, of course. You know, given everything now that's happening, it's gonna be very difficult for those big, you know, time uh, studios. You know, and these uh, us indie artists. You know, as long as paying our bills, we're staying productive. You know, for the most part, and uh, protecting our livelihoods. I think uh, it'll be a good time for us to, you know, maybe even catch you know some some new audience a lot of people now with all this free time they're you know maybe they have watched all of netflix you know maybe they already have run through disney plus once because also you've seen it growing up but you know i know a lot of people have been asking me for for collabs or people have been maybe asking like you know where they can hear our stuff so like to me that's you know that's actually it makes me feel good that people are listening to what's right around them you know like this kind of like supporting your small businesses you know it's the same kind of principle you're supporting your local artists whatever endeavors they're trying to you know accomplish during this pandemic and also after feels good mm-hmm. like if you have even the slightest creative inclination just being around it i think you uh you kind of get hooked on it a little bit 
right? Isn't that, and that's what happened to our friend Dick Jones, right? Like he was around you guys like producing music and all of a sudden he was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I want to start doing this too. You know, I was getting photos yeah. from him like like every other day, either like something coming in, like, you know, from getting shipped or him at Guitar Center, like just like constantly just like adding and adding. And I and like you said, it's it's a bug. It's It's something that's very addictive, mm-hmm. especially when, <clears throat> especially if you really become in touch with like, the the stenicism or like the stenotic like feeling of like when you're creating something how it's striking all of your senses and how you can really begin to fine tune all those little muscles like in your ears your eyes you know even how you feel when you know you're experiencing a a song or or some you know film the fact that you can really start to see the difference and as you attain different pieces of hardware different pieces of equipment it's really cool how you can really start to see the the difference and how you like your repertoire begins to grow because of it. Like I think that's also the initial thing. You're like, wow, like I have this innate ability to like, you know, mix uh vocals a certain way, but you know, maybe I'm lacking in uh maybe my my instrument department. So like, you know, you go and you buy a, an instrument pack. And then you also start from there. You're like, oh, you know what, let me see what kind of new effects I can buy for these instruments it's kind of like it kind of rolls on each other and it can get very expensive but you know with uh student discounts you know people also can sell their licenses you can pick them up on craigslist people sell like their plugins uh accounts all the time you can pick it up from somebody you know it's it's definitely out there especially if you really start to recognize what tools are very valuable to you as as a creator i think that's very important to tell the audience too it's uh, it can seem it can seem intimidating uh, when you first start, but you got to start. You got to start somewhere, you know, like uh, don't be afraid. You, you know, like there, there's a lot of times where you might look at someone who's been doing this a lot longer than you and think, oh, man, like. It's just it just seems like overwhelming because of like what that person can do. But if you think that way, then you'll never, you'll never get started. And that person that you're, you're aspiring to, they started from the same place, you know? So if you want to get into like, like I look at, I look at like what Evan does with music production, let's say, right. And, and, and I look at it and I'm like, there is no fucking way that I would be able to get on this level. Right. And okay. Like I'm not really um, aspiring to, to produce music. So, you know, but I'm just saying in general, like I look at that and I'm like, Fuck, like it, it, it seems daunting, but if you're interested in something, no matter how daunting it might seem, just start doing it, you know, and you don't have to, you don't have to break the bank out of the gate, you know, make do with what you have. And if it's filmmaking and you can't afford uh, a good camera, that's okay. You got a camera in your pocket already. You know what I mean? Start there. Eventually, like, like you were saying, John, eventually you'll see, okay, this is what I'm missing. Maybe I'll, I can save up and I can get that. Okay. Now I got that. What else do I need? Okay. Yeah. Now I got that. And slowly, slowly you'll get to where you need to be, but don't be afraid to start. Doesn't matter what you have start I mean, and use what you have. I mean, there's, like I said, you, you just dropped so many like precious pieces of knowledge for anyone who's listening, jumping in or skimming through this. Like if, if you land on that, like, for you to take that with you and understand like how valuable that is, is 15 years down the line now for, for me, especially like I've, I've really like kind of solidified this whole thing for me as, as more than a hobby. You know, it's something that I grew to like 
Like I, I'm enamored by, by sound. I can be in the studio all day long. And what it really started out with was I had a Dell PC, I had a plastic mic, really crappy V, VS, v, VC20, Sony headphones. I had Audacity as my program. That was my digital audio workspace. Mm-hmm. I know Ev, you, 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 you raved about Cool Edit Pro and I think Adobe Edition, uh, Audition and, you know, just to, but it also in context, like, I think this was at a period in time. So like we're, we're talking maybe like 2004, 2005, it was at a period of time where now the technology was kind of becoming more accessible to the public. And it was kind of like more built in, I guess, to like things that you buy, like for like personal home use. But I just want to say it in context with what I'm alluding to. I'm trying to get to, there was an artist in that period of time in the early 2000s. Uh, his name was Benefit. Uh, I know Ev is actually the one who put me onto him too. Him and Nick would constantly like play his CD in the cars. And this guy, basically he had a, like a $15 plastic microphone. He had a, a small little Casio keyboard. Um, and like, I think like the cheapest, cheapest, like sound card, like it looked like a computer chip that you just slide into your existing PC. You just plug in the mic, the headphones and, he recorded songs that the you you would think that I mean granted the quality isn't like it doesn't sound like it was recorded in like a Philharmonic amphitheater studio it was recorded in his home but just the just the elegance of what he put together with what ingredients he had you know it's kind of like he had like a bunch of ramen some seasoning maybe some frozen pork and like he just managed to whip this thing up together and make this album and actually Napster, the old person to person, uh, you know, I don't know if we're throwing it back for some people, Kazaa, Morpheus, LimeWire, AKA PC AIDS, you know, basically like a vortex of viruses. Napster had a contest uh, to see who can make, uh, you know, a song about Napster and he made it and he went viral and, you know, just, uh, I think he's actually still producing to this day. I mean, if, if he ever hears this and ever wants to work with me or anybody like in my circle, like we'd love to have benefit, but, uh, that's what I'm saying. Like he didn't have, he didn't have like a, a professional studio quality, you know, setup. He had a PC and he had the number one thing. He had the passion and the motivation for it. And he, he did it. I just yeah. want to put that out there. That is, it, it doesn't matter the, the depth of your foundation. You can always dig deeper and, and, and really find your roots that way. He had a good understanding of sound. I mean, but guess what? Also, how do you know that you as a person don't as well? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, there was like a, a Pepsi commercial way back when uh, Jimi Hendrix standing in the middle of a street and on the right side, it's like, um, I don't know, like a, a corny instrument store. I think it was like maybe not to shit on the accordion Ev, because I know you want to, <laughs> learn how to play the accordion, but it was like an accordion store on one side with a Coke machine. And then on the left side was a electric guitar store with a Pepsi machine. And he went to buy a Pepsi and then he walked into the electric guitar store. Like you don't know until you actually like put yourself in that environment or in that element to start cultivating something. It's, you know, is it something that you have to be a prodigy at and you're just a natural at doing it? I don't think so. I think 
you know, nurturing it as opposed to the nature of your artistry, I think is also something that's beautiful in its own sense, because you're literally manifesting stuff from nothing and stuff that you didn't even probably even know like you had in you, you know, I think that's something very special. I think a lot of skills can be developed and refined. And ultimate question is, um, do people have innate abilities or is it that, you know, some of those skills are, are built to, to a certain level from a young age? Uh, not sure, but uh, we, you know, uh, I definitely believe that any skill you want to improve can be improved. Just requires. But also think about it like this. Even if someone's up a film prodigy, right? All right. Let's say someone's really good with film and they shoot like music videos, right? Mm -hmm. And they shoot tons of artists and they get really good at their skill. They refine their craft. They become a master at their craft. Like you can tell because of that drive and that passion for like, you know, kind of like reaching your apex, like it could be translated very easily. I feel like into other mediums. Uh, the same way like Clint Eastwood, he was an amazing uh, Western actor. He was a tough guy. He always, he didn't, maybe he was a man of few words in some roles, but, you know, just like his mannerisms and the the character that he portrayed usually on the big screen mm-hmm. and just being around script people, um, being around producers, being around uh, cinematographers, directors, look at how well he transitioned from acting and having, you know, that maybe that was natural in him, how well it was translated into his ability to also direct. I, I think right as well, right? He's definitely written probably a bunch of films at this point. But yeah, no. I think I think it's very easily to translate. He doesn't uh, he doesn't write. He only oh, he doesn't write uh, at all? directs, acts, produced. No. <laughs> Million Dollar Baby? No writing? No. D- direct. He directed that and uh, uh, supporting actor, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there, well, yeah. what, what do you think, actually, uh, John? Do you think do you think you're born with talent, or do you think anybody can learn to do anything? Hmm. I think anyone could do anything as much as they want to do it. Basically, um, if if you really want to, like, for example, like, even though I would say like I'm more active in the sense of like reading. Evans and yours scripts now and looking forward to more movie projects like I don't think that it's hindered or taken anything away from me wanting to continue to make music as well so I mean in that kind of respect I feel like you can continue to do it and you know keep refining it as as much as you really want to and for me that that's kind of like my answer I think it's only as much as you really want to do it and you can leave off at something at a certain level and what's to say that you can't basically start at that same level in, in another medium or another form of, of expressing yourself because you're, you're that professional. So do you think then that with enough work and determination, anybody can be a rapper or a music producer or a writer or a filmmaker, anybody? They can. They can, they just have to remain true to themselves. You have to be you. I do believe, though, that, yes, you know, maybe certain people have a, a higher chance of of succeeding in certain areas, although we can definitely de- develop and hone our skills, right, refine them. And as you mentioned, sometimes uh, 
certain abilities translate into others or, or make uh, picking up a, uh, a certain interest a, l- a little bit easier. Yeah, absolutely. So you're saying that that so to summarize, you you both think that um, certain people have maybe inclinations towards things, and maybe it's easier for them <clears throat> to pick up certain skills. But ultimately, if you work hard enough, if you want it bad enough, you can learn to be uh, good at any any like creative skill, whether it's writing, uh, mm-hmm. acting singing anything i think so what do you think i think it's a factor of will and and how much like you love it same with anything in life like how much how much do you want to chase it how much do you want to you know rehearse it how much do you want to refine it you know like so sorry i I just wanted i just wanted to like ask you this um so pick pick a whatever it doesn't matter an actor a singer a rapper a filmmaker director whatever you want pick someone that that you that you know that you you think is terrible they're not good you don't like their movies you don't like their music you don't think they're they're good right you, you don't have, have to, to tell me names? Just, can i just think of it no yeah yeah just think of it okay. don't tell me it doesn't matter yeah. you don't even have to, have to actually think of someone just you know conceptually right mm-hmm. do you think that this person if they work hard enough they they can become as good as your favorite person of the same uh, of the same genre or whatever of the same uh, of the same skill. I've had people surprise me. Um. Yeah. The point I'm trying to say is, if you take someone that you don't think is good, yes, you based on what you guys said before, that would mean that if that person works hard enough, yeah. they will become just as good as your favorite person. I, I said, b- barring any right, um, uh, um, let's say evolution, um, matters of evolution that may have given another person a head start, right? Because our brains, we learn things a lot easier when we were younger. So will they have enough time to become as good as Eminem is the question. These are all very valid points. I just want to say, you know, from 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 my side, <laughs> like everyone's making very good arguments right now. So. Okay, but 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 for, for forget about forget about the concept of time. Like you're saying, that person has the capacity. To, Any to, person has the capacity. If they live forever, they have the capacity to develop that part of their brain as long as it, you know their brains are still in working uh, functioning order. And we're talking about, uh, you know, not relative as to where they will be in, let's say, 500 years, but as to where they were 500 years prior, right? Like where they are right now, not okay. where not where they will be if they live forever. You don't think okay. a person could ever develop a skill that much? I'm just asking to see what, what you guys think. I haven't weighed in on this at all. So oh, yeah, that's why I'm asking. <laughs> as, you, as you might be able to tell. <laughs> Um, um, I, I think given enough time, a person could develop skills in, in, in those areas, as long as there's no, you know, biological restraint to that. Okay. So I guess my way in is, this is what I think. I think that, I think, I think that innate talent exists and I'm not saying it's divine. Like you said before, I just think that certain people do have a predisposition to be good at certain things. Um, and I think that, but I don't think that anybody is like 
I, I think you need to cultivate that that if you have an interest in it. So I think mm. like if you're if you if you have a proclivity towards whatever, let's say writing, mm -hmm. I think if you work at it, you read, you you write a lot, you cultivate it, you will get better and better and better, and you can become very good one day. Um, I don't think anyone is born amazing mm. at anything, but I think people have a predisposition towards it that other people don't. You, you think that on the contrast? Huh? Yeah, I think it's I think it's a chance, genetics, wh yeah. whatever you want to call it. I guess it's the same thing, right? Chance. Um, yeah, it's it's random. If you're if you're born with with the right uh, right in born into the right like family, yeah, sure. It's mm. it's to a degree, it's chance. And I think that you, and I think other people might not have that predisposition, but maybe they can work really hard and they can get, if they work twice as hard as you, maybe they can get to the same level as you, right? And I'm not saying you specifically, you, mm -hmm. I'm saying, yeah. you know, people. in general, you, um, people. Mm. So you could take someone who has that predisposition and then you could take someone that doesn't and that person that doesn't might have to work two or three times as hard mm -hmm. to get to that place. Um, but on the other side of the coin, yeah. I do think that there are people who will never be able to succeed at at something. Like I think, like sometimes, no matter how bad you want it, mm -hmm. it's it's not in the cards for you, right? It's just not going to happen for you. It's you don't have it. Well, here's the thing: and you're missing whatever you need to 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 be great at it. I believe that what we do when we're young is so important we absorb absorb more than anything and as we get older we stop absorbing as easily those early years could really throw you ahead of the game against someone else right and if you're trying to pick up a new skill at a later point in your life you're going to struggle you're not going to pick it up as as easy we're no longer that sponge yeah there, yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of factors at play but but in the basis of this art of this conversation was does innate talent exist right or mm -hmm. can anybody just learn any skill no matter what I think innate talent exists mm -hmm. I think that you can become you know good at something to a degree if you work really hard at it but I think that some people have their work cut out for them and I think mm -hmm. maybe even fewer people it's just never no matter what they do it's just never going to happen. Mm. And I'm not saying that I'm in the position where like, oh, like I'm so good at filmmaking that I'm going to be great. Maybe I'm the one of the people that no matter what I do, I'm not going to be good at it. That might be, that might be who I am, right? I don't know. I'm trying to figure that out. But I, I just think that, that that's, that's how it is. I think some people are just, some people just have it. Some people just have it and they cultivate it. They work at it and they get better and better and better. Some people I, don't I and they work and they had... work and they work and they don't go anywhere. I think we all had kind of overlapping feelings in terms of this uh, this talk right now. I think it was very balanced. I think, which would bring me to believe it's now like just hearing everyone's and weighing everything in. It it really is all about chance and taking the chance. Well, really, the chance, what it boils down to where you're born. Uh, if what you want to pursue is, is supported. If you're exposed to the right, uh, you know, elements and, and find the passion in the same area. Yeah. You know, factors come together and you're young. I mean, you could really be excelled in certain areas of life. And if you're listening and you want to weigh in, email us at spinningreelfilms at gmail.com. That's spinningreel, R-E-A-L. Or you can tweet at us at spinningreelf on Twitter. 
or you can message us on Instagram at Spinning Real Films. That's R-E-A-L for all of those. Anything to add, guys? It's been real, guys. Good, good catching up with you guys. Good uh, having another great conversation for you know our listeners to possibly hit us up and weigh in. And you know, can't wait for the next show and can't wait for the next upcoming projects. And everyone, just you know, always stay, uh, always stay inspiring, hundred percent. And most importantly, join the cult. I don't need to be geared up with an expensive clock. My shit bang for the buck after my tick and my talk. The only way you can stop me from blowing is if you stop my veins leading to my brain from flowing. If you clip wrong, my boy death comes alone. We big boys, the radius of us is long. Fuck guns, they ain't just one person getting bucked like a slut. Anyone around me is fucked. You can run, you can hide, it don't matter what game you play. I'll catch you anywhere, I don't even have to aim. I'm perfect for anyone whose gun skills is lame. I can take over from my house, but train to plane stuff me with atoms i wipe out a whole city you can set me up but i'll never feel pity it's up to you i replace what hitman do i got my own squad and it's resting like a blue i'm a weapon of mass destruction my function is to put you into detention unless it your lifespan and panic way below zero you'll be put below if you try to be a hero i'm a weapon of mass destruction my function is to put you into detention unless it your lifespan and panic way below zero you'll be put Below, if you try to be a hero, I'm grip, reveal, cock back, then blasted. My thesis spit and hit and pierce and rapid. These thoughts I mastered to hit much faster than a napal. Blasted by Casper, my words are drugs. Addictive, fulfilling, draining your blood till I'm done with the killing. Then talk back away, saved for another day or night that I may chase down other prey. With these silver-coated texts, hunting these wolves, disrupting these codes, releasing these souls. I'm a weapon, steady aiming, shooting cold truth, so it hurts you. Every time I hit the booth, the clips encrypted with powerful messages loaded in my mind, then sent them bullets. So it's not my fault that I react when these claws pull back, the trigger to attack.